0: what is up everybody welcome to another episode of the overstated nba show before we get into it i want to let you guys know that this episode is brought to you by manscape go to manscape.com type in promo code overstated you get 20 percent off and free shipping again cannot say enough about this product i actually just used it today the ball deodorant is my favorite and when i use it to actually use it in the shower it is awesome make your ball smell great it's about to be winter for everybody. You're gonna have, you know, some smelly, stanky balls. Might as well put some ball deodorant on them, make them smell good. Again, that's manscaped.com promo code Overcity get 20 percent off and free shipping. So without further ado, here is Brett and I. What is up, Brett? We are recording this on a Saturday night at 9:15 p.m. my time, which is 7:15 your time p.m. And um, I'm just gonna let you know, you might hear me scream a little bit. LSU is driving on Alabama. It's 20 to 14, but we are not here to talk about college football or the NFL. We are here to talk about some NBA. So, Brett, what is up, buddy? How you doing?
1: Man, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I, these are always fun on a Saturday night. But I'm wondering, what's your what's your stake in LSU, Alabama? What, that doesn't seem like your your territory or do do you it's like all, one of those teams? It's all
0: or? my territory, Brett. It's all my territory. I have no money on this game, but I would <laughs> like to see LSU pull out the upset. Okay. This is going to get released on Monday, so Sunday is my game. That's when we're going to have a little bit of fun.
1: Okay, yeah, that sounds good, man. Yeah, again, that's yeah, definitely out of my realm, but but I was just curious. Um, I like it. I like that's it. So what's we're up. We're
0: gonna we're gonna do some. We're just gonna bounce around a little bit, touch on a little bit of teams. But I would be remiss if I didn't lead off with this tonight. Miami ended up beating Utah, like, as you just said, in the close game. Our boy, I believe we had him either as most improved or six man. I think you had him as both.
1: I had him as sixth man. I mentioned him for most improved, but I had him officially as as sixth man when we did our predictions. Tyler
0: Hero, 29 points, 11 for 18, 6 for 8 from 3.
1: Oh, my God, dude. He was cooking. He was cooking. I, I watched the second half, and, man, he was just on fire. And I think he hit four three-pointers in the fourth. Um, he just had it going, man. He, he couldn't he miss. He is
0: killing it. And one of the things I like about Miami, we might as well start with them, them first. Uh, they are just absolutely killing it, is – you know Tyler Hero is coming off the bench and when he is on the floor with those guys dude it he the offense runs through him and he is just flat out balling and he's flat out answering the call
1: yeah yeah he's something else man i think you know a lot of people expected a strong bounce back from Tyler Hero this season uh, after a somewhat disappointing sophomore campaign but i think he's exceeded even the loftiest expectations for his third season at least here in the early going uh now i believe uh, nine games in, he's more than just microwave offense. I mean, like you said, he's a guy that that it runs through when he's in there. I think he's got one of the most lethal mid-range games in the entire NBA. His three-point shot looks a lot better, uh, especially it did tonight. I think he's after tonight, he's probably well over forty percent on threes uh, on the season. And as one of the Miami announcers pointed out during the game, that may have a lot to do with some of the strength that he added in the off just having more lift uh, by having a stronger base and maybe just a a sort of an endurance thing, too, where he was just draining them still in the fourth quarter after a hard-fought game. So he's just shooting the lights out and and playing really well. He's obviously gone to another level. So that's really exciting to see. Like, he's back to being one of the league's most exciting young players. And obviously, you know, he's only part of the story with with Miami. When you look at, at Kyle Lowry, the new addition at point guard, and the level that Jimmy Butler has been playing at and the improvements that Bam Adebayo has made, to his game. They're they're fantastic. I think they're they're a top tier team for me. I think there's a top tier in the NBA. And I think it's Miami, Golden State, and Utah right now. I think those are kind of the three teams that are just head and shoulders above the rest as it stands right now. And obviously, I underestimated Miami a little bit. I didn't think they were going to be quite this good. And of course, it's early, but everything they're doing feels Sustainable. They're just rock solid. They've got great chemistry. They've got a great vibe. They've got a good blend of youth and veterans. Just a hell of a team at this point. They have well, to be. I, I'll considered say one a of the best. about
0: Miami. Um, they're very top heavy. Yeah, I, I feel like if one of those guys gets hurt, and it could happen. Kyle Lowry had a nasty ankle roll the other night. I mean, it could happen. But yeah, you're right. Right now, but I, I would like to push back. Not necessarily against you, but on everybody saying Tyler Hero had a bad second season. Um his rookie year he had he averaged thirteen and a half points a game. His second year he averaged fifteen points a game. And now he's obviously averaging twenty points a game. I just think that everybody saw him in the bubble in the Easter Conference Finals and the NBA Finals, you know, hitting stuff that not even Magic Johnson hit before. And I think there was a little bit of unjust pressure on him last year. And I I I think for him it's probably good that that people kind of dogged him because I mean he's coming out just just lights out right now.
1: It just goes to show how impatient people can be to where I was talking about this with somebody pretty recently, and you're absolutely right, man. He didn't have a bad sophomore season. It's just that the expectations were so high that people probably were expecting something closer to what he's doing this season for him as a sophomore, which would have been like, you know, his age, I don't know, 20 season or whatever. What is he now? Maybe 21 super young, but people get so impatient with these young kids. And it's, it's really funny, man. Where like, You know, if a a 21, 22-year-old kid is struggling, they're just like, all right, I'm out on them. And it's like, man, they've still got, you know, it's one thing if they're 24, 25, but like.
0: And it's true, though, man. I mean, we said on our preview pod he was going to come out straight gunning. I can tell you that his rookie year, his field goal attempts per game was about 11. Last year was about 13. This year, Brett, it's 17 and a half. Yeah. So he he is just coming out gunning, and I think the you know him coming off the bench, kind of solidifying that six man role. I think it's really good for him, and I I agree with you. I mean, I think it's very 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 early, but if we're ranking tiers to come out and start the season, yeah. I mean, Philadelphia has looked good. Miami's there. I think you have to include Utah and Golden State. I think those four teams have kind of they've made the best first impression that you can make.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. You couldn't ask for a whole lot more from any of these teams, really. I mean, I think Utah was the one that we we all kind of expected to be a regular season juggernaut to some degree, just because that's what they've been in the past. That's what they were last year. Um, this is mostly the same squad that they had last year, maybe even a little better when you look at a couple of the guys that they did add. In uh, Miami, I think has, has exceeded expectations. I think Golden State certainly has exceeded expectations. Like we knew Miami and Golden State would be good teams. But I think a lot of people, myself included, had them kind of in the four or five, maybe six range in the standings uh, where now they're sort of looking like they could very well finish the, the season at the top of the standings. And then Philly is the one where they've really surprised me. That was one where I'm like, if you know, if Ben Simmons isn't playing, like this team could really show some regression. And that has not happened. They've looked great. I mean, they've, they're in a war right now with the Bulls. I don't know what the score is up, in that one. They're up
0: five right now.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a big win for them. It looks like they're going to get that. They're inside of a minute now. Um, the Bulls are another very good team uh, that that have probably exceeded expectations. So it's funny. A lot of these teams are in action tonight and kind of playing each other. When you look at Utah playing Miami and then and then the Bulls playing Philly, like those are some pretty pretty high caliber games uh, in this early season. But but Philly's the one that's really impressed me. Uh, and that's just a been we can talk about them, man. Uh, that's just a story of, of guys just stepping up.
0: Yeah, and I, I wish Nathan was on this pod so we can get his expertise on it. He watches Philly really more than anybody, but I will say, looking at their schedule, I mean, the, where I think they're going to miss Ben Simmons is when it comes to actual like playoff teams. You know, I mean, you look at they lost to Brooklyn, they lost to New York. I mean, their wins, they had a really good win against Atlanta. Um, tonight's going to be a good win, but really, I mean, they're. It, it's no disrespect to them, but they beat the Pelicans, they beat the Pistons. They beat the Trailblazers. They did beat this will be the second time they're beating Chicago and they beat Detroit. So I mean not the toughest schedule, but I think we kind of talked about this on our preview pod as well. They're going to be their issues with Ben Simmons is not going to come up until the playoffs. That's when I think it's going to come up. I think in the regular season, as long as Joel Embiid is playing, I I think there's still going to be a regular season juggernaut. Again, it when we talk about the Utah Jazz, the Philadelphia 76, I mean those two teams, I think there's a lot of pressure on them for obvious reasons. Philly has never made it out of the second round. Utah with all their – like those are the two teams where, yeah, you may win 50, 55 games in the regular season, but what are you guys going to do in the playoffs?
1: Yeah, I think with Utah especially there's that kind of pressure. Philly, like because of the Simmons thing and and some of the low expectations uh, that people like myself had for them going into this season, I feel like they are playing with a little less pressure – than they normally would have been. I feel like the Simmons and Bede thing brought a lot of pressure. Like, okay, is it going to work? What's going to happen? Something's got to give. Now that Simmons is out of the picture, they're kind of, you know, just when I watch them, it, it, it just feels like they're playing playing a little bit more loose um, under a little bit less pressure. And I, I think that's really allowed some of these guys to shine, man. Like just some of the guys that have stepped up for that team, when you look at Tyrese Maxey, has been fantastic. Um, he's a guy that I probably underestimated coming out of college he's he's a nice player um seth curry shooting the absolute lights brought that up seth bro seth has just been like through 10 games i'm not sure there's ever been a hotter shooting start individually speaking to an nba season uh in terms of true shooting percentage than what he's doing this season he's at about 76 percent true shooting i think he shot it pretty well tonight i'd have to double check but um he's been awesome tobias harris has been really good uh, Matisse Theibel has been playing great defense, as always, Embiid, of course. You know, you could go down the list. Maz is having his probably best NBA season. Shake Milton's been playing really well. Just all these guys are stepping up. Paul Reed has been out there giving them good minutes. Even Andre Drummond has been pretty solid uh, in some stretches for them doing his thing. And then uh, shout out to George Niang, too, who they brought over from the Jazz. Like, he's having a good season. So they just all of a sudden are kind of just this deep, solid team And I mean, I I really like this version of them. It's a lot of fun. And I think Doc Rivers deserves a lot of credit. And I think a lot of these sort of unheralded players deserve a lot of credit for stepping up when everyone's like, oh, you take Ben Simmons out and all of a sudden this is like a middle of the pack team at best. And it's like, these guys are like, man, no, we we can get it done. So I'm, you know, I'm not a Philly fan, but I'm kind of proud
0: of the group, you know, watching them. They're, they're real solid. No, no doubt, man, and, and kind of. Let's talk about the team that they're playing. I mean, the Bulls are six and two. They're probably going to go to six and three tonight. I mean, I think they have been a very, very pleasant surprise. I said it, and I think you said it too. I love the Demar Derozan signing. I think it's uh, you got to get past. It's more so off the court with him. I think he's a leader. I think he knows how to win, and I think he'll be a, a fantastic for those young guys. But he's been fantastic. I wanted to let you know I got his basketball reference page up right now. Again, granted, it's been eight games. He's averaging 27 points a game. He's shooting 52% from the field, which is his career best. His three-point shot, he's only attempting about two a game. So, and he's shooting around 38 39%, which is also a career high. I just think in watching their games, he's been fantastic. I, I mean, he, I, that might be, again, if you had to put a gun to my head, a couple weeks in the NBA season, it's still November. It's going to be my favorite line that I'm going to be saying until it's not November. But he's got to be the free agent signing of the year. I mean, I mean that the Bulls look really, really good. I mean, you look tonight. Lonzo kind of struggled tonight, but him and Levine and Lonzo together, they've been fantastic. Brett.
1: Oh no question, it's been better than I think anyone could have imagined. And yeah, you and me were definitely on board with the with the DeRozan uh, signing. But if you had asked me or you or anybody else in the world uh, when that signing took place, like, do you think DeMar is going to come out and have his best NBA season in his first season with the Bulls at, at age 32? would have been like, no, nah, I mean, he might have a good season, but he's not. Because make no mistake, like so far, this has been his best NBA season. When you look at the shooting efficiency, um, his defense is a little bit better than it's been in the past. Uh, I think he's just a shade below his career high for points per game. So, you know, by all metrics, this is, I think, pretty clearly his best NBA season, especially when you consider that he's playing on a good team. Not that he hasn't before, but the Bulls are very legit. And he's obviously been a big part of that. Yeah, the thing with them that surprised me most, and I think I'm speaking for a lot of us in saying this, is their defense. They are, you know, about the, depending on what metric you look at, are the fifth or sixth best defense in the NBA, at least heading into tonight's game. Maybe they got knocked down a notch there, but, but, but yeah, they're, they're certainly a top 10 defense and they're also a top 10 offense. So they're, they're one of very few teams that are in the top 10 for both. I'd have to look at, at this some more to see who the others are, but, but they're in the top 10 for both offense and defense. So they've obviously been, been very good. Um, But yeah, the defense is like, I think everybody kind of expected them to be a below average defense, maybe average at best. And they've actually been one of the best in the league, a better defense than they have been in offense, um, which is I don't think anybody could have seen that coming. It goes to show how how hard it can be to predict when you add all these new pieces together and and just you're thinking about how they're going to fit. And then it's beautiful when it just works out the way that it has so far for them, super happy for their fans.
0: Yeah, and, they, and they've beaten some quality teams, too. I know we were all making fun of them for the start of their season. They beat Detroit twice, New Orleans. and They beat Toronto. They lo- Okay, they lo- They lose by one to the Knicks. They beat Utah. Um, you come in, they beat Boston. I, I think believe that game went into overtime, one of the many overtime games for Boston. Yeah. And then they're going back to lose back-to-back to Philly. But, you know, they're a young team, and they're eventually going to figure it out, I think, DeRozan, we haven't even mentioned how valuable Alex Caruso has been. I mean, those guys, the, the Patrick White, in, Patrick Williams injury hurts a little bit, but it does. I, I'm, I'm happy with Chicago. I, I think they're going to be good. I do think, um, you know, as some of these other teams, uh, mainly Milwaukee and Brooklyn, get a little bit healthier. I mean, Milwaukee has just been decimated by injuries. And, you know, Atlanta, same with them. I think you're going to see them kind of – Chicago going to fall back a little bit. But, I mean, if you're a Bulls fan or even an NBA fan, I mean, it, it's good to see – the Chicago Bulls in in the top half of the Eastern Conference.
1: Yeah, no question. And, and I agree, man, the Patrick Williams injury does hurt. And it's not even like that he was going to be putting up these big numbers or, you know, doing anything spectacular on the court. Obviously, you know, they were going to be counting on him to play some solid defense, uh, which he was doing. And he was shooting the ball pretty well, albeit on low volume. But like he's one of those guys where at this stage in his career, at least, just the type of player that he is like what he allows you to do is what makes him so valuable. I think a decent analogy for that would be like PJ Tucker for the box in the playoffs last season. Like he, he w- went scoreless a lot of games. Like he wasn't putting up numbers. He wasn't really doing anything on the court, but just based on who he is as a player, he allowed them to go small and have Giannis at the five, which was like their best lineups. And like, that doesn't work without PJ Tucker. And I think the bulls could do some things that, only work with Patrick Williams, right? Even if he's not, you know, putting up big numbers himself. So that does hurt them. And I agree like with, the, with him, because I, you know, I'm super high on him and, and at full strength, I, like I might be saying, okay, this could really be like a top three team at the end of the season without Patrick Williams. They're still trying to figure that out between Derek Jones, Jr. Javante green, uh, maybe Alize Johnson, uh, the the rookie Iu Sonmu. I could probably fuck up his name, but like th- they're trying to figure that out right now, what they're going to do. But I don't think they really have somebody that can replicate what Williams would have done for them. So I, that does knock them down a little bit. Um, but they're they're going to be good. But yeah, maybe not quite in that top tier I, right now. I sort of have them in that in a second tier, probably with Philly.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Let's uh let's kind of move to the west a little bit and. I think Golden State, we kind of said it at the top. They've been really good. And I don't think anybody even – shout out to our boy David Savage. And um, I don't think anybody predicted that they would be this good. Um, I think Steph has kind of struggled a little bit. um, And they're still only have lost one game. And they're good, man. I mean, they're they're really good. And we've all been waiting for Klay Thompson to come back. Um, I know the schedule has been pretty favorable. To Golden State but there is no denying that they look locked in they look like a you can't see me but I'm doing actual air quotes they look like an actual team like they they everybody knows their roles they know what's going on they just it, it's, it's similar to the Chicago Bulls it's good to see the Golden State Warriors at the top of the rankings again I mean they they just look like a team that everybody on that team is dialed in
1: mm-hmm. oh man they're they're fun That's probably the team I've watched most so far this season. I think I've seen every one of their games, maybe all but one. Um, Look, I can say a lot about them. I'll say this. They're a very smart team. Like, if you could quantify basketball IQ, you know, this might be one of the all-time teams. Um, And you could talk about some of the, you know, Warriors teams from a few years ago, but – you know, maybe Igudala is not the player he was a few years ago, for instance. But his basketball IQ is just off the charts by this point. You know, even more than it was then. And same with Steph and and Draymond and these sort of older guys that are just like they're they're still Steph and Draymond are still great players. So I think they're one of the smartest teams um, I've seen. They're one of the best passing teams I've ever seen. I think the addition of Bielitsa has been huge. Um, he can really pass the ball. Draymond obviously is one of the great passing forwards we've ever seen. Steph is a great passer. Jordan Poole is a very good passer. Iguodala is a great passer. Like you can go down the list, man. And they and when you watch them play, like the ball just zips around. Um, they've got some of the best ball movements, some of the best passes and cuts that that I've seen. Um, and it's just, it's early going. A lot of these guys are are relatively new. So they're only going to get better, I think, in that sense. Um, And they're another one of these teams that's in the top 10 for both offense and defense, without a doubt. They are by far the best defense in the NBA right now. It's early, but so far they've been a historically great defense. Their defensive rating is 96.4, which is just absurd in the NBA of today. And then they're also a top 10 offense. So, yeah, another team that we all thought they'd be good, but, like, they're looking great. I would say with the Jazz losing tonight, Um, and I mean, they definitely have the best record in the league right now. And I think it's safe to say they've probably been the best team. So, uh, I'm super excited about them. Jordan Poole has been great. Like, you know, a lot of us were hoping he would be, um, he's been, he's been a little inconsistent, but overall he's been an absolute bucket and a guy that can do a lot of what Steph does when Steph's off the court and, and has looked good with Steph on the court together. So I love everything about the warriors right now. And then when clay comes back, it, you know, it takes them to another level, man, like say what you want uh, about the injuries and what, uh, what he might've lost, but he's clay Thompson. Um, At the very least, you're getting a 40 plus percent three point shooter who can play some defense. So at the very least, you know, even he, he makes them a lot better. And if he can approach what he was before the injuries, obviously that makes them probably the title favorites.
0: Yeah, and I don't disagree with anything you said. Like I said, if you're a Warriors fan, you could not have dreamed up a better start. You're seven and one. You're probably gonna keep winning, and you get to integrate Klay Thompson back into your lineup as at least, at the very least, a top four seed in the West, which which I think is pretty good. Let's move on to another team though, Brett. There's been a lot of weird stuff going on and excuse me, we talked about this before we started recording. Uh, you know, the Portland Trailblazers, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Um, an article just came out on Yahoo about how Dame was actually had a meeting with LeBron about joining the LA Lakers. Ultimately he didn't want to, we're not going to rehash what happened over the off season. I mean, we, we've talked about it at nauseum and you kind of look at them. They're four and five right now. They're the 10th seed and I don't know what's going on with them. I'm, but Dame Allure is off to the worst start of his career. He's averaging about 18 points a game, which is the worst of his career, but you know, you look at his percentages and it's it's not good. I mean, he's barely shooting over 20% from three. He's shooting about 45% from the field, which again, all of these are his worst of his career. Can, weirdly though, his assists are the highest of his career at 8.8. He's almost averaging nine a game. What is kind of your take, Brett? You're on the West Coast. I know Dame is your boy. What is your kind of take on Portland? And I mean, I don't know how how much you want to get into the Neil O'Shea stuff. There's just a lot of weird I would say it's weird. There's a lot of weirdness going on in Portland right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. On on many fronts. Um, as far as the Neil O'Shea stuff, like, yeah, we probably shouldn't say too much about it because there's just not a lot of information out there. Um, the reporting that's come out has been a little bit vague and not that I would expect it to get into specifics, but it's just been such a big story. I think because of the timing that being leaked that, that he's being investigated sort of on the heels of the, the Phoenix suns, Robert Sarver stuff, obviously people are going to sort of draw that connection where they may be two completely different situations. But again, like we, I don't know, you know what the specifics of the allegations are. I will just say that it's weird that it leaked considering the timing, probably not a great look, probably not what, the franchise needs in terms of like that kind of media coverage. But like at the same time, I mean, I look, I'd be okay with moving on from Shea. Like, you know, I think I like the Larry Nance trade and everything, but overall it was a pretty underwhelming offseason. I think there's a lot of questions about the players that he surrounded Dame with um, you know, since Dame's been there really. So yeah, it, it, that so that kind of ties together. So I mean, I'm just like if if you're not happy with the guy, if he's if he's a dick, if he's um, going on these tirades and and intimidating people and all this shit. It's like, just fire him. Right. Uh, so I don't, I, I don't, that's my question is like, why didn't, why don't they just fire him? Um, I don't know if they're trying to get off him without having to pay him or if there's just more to all this. So again, I didn't even, I don't even really have much to say about that, but it does tie into to the Dame stuff. Like, you know, if Dame is unhappy there, um, which, you know, we don't know, we can't be inside his head. But if I, I think it's pretty clear to man that that story you referenced, like that he does want to win in Portland, like that's his dream, And I think he's been clinging to it. Um, but if he is unhappy there, I think Neil deserves some blame for just not putting an ideal roster around him. And I was talking about this with with our guy, Mikey last night in the Zoom chat. You know, we were saying, like, like dame has it's kind of messed up because Dame has carried these kind of weak, certainly shallow Portland rosters for so many years and now it kind of feels like he's got a squad around him but he's not showing up and 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 then of course that gets into well why what's going on with Dame is there an injury I guess there's been a report of like sort of an abdominal strain or some kind of core injury that he's been dealing with for a while that could be playing a part I don't know he's not getting this separation he usually gets in my opinion when I watch him could it be fatigue um, could it just be, you know, getting a little older? Could it be wear and tear from carrying the team? Like I, I can't help but always go back and think of what he did in the bubble to get the Blazers into the playoffs. Just how hard he was playing. They were playing every day. He's out there like putting up sixty, just going so hard. And it's like, you know, over time, man, maybe that has an effect. You know, maybe he's worn down, at least temporarily, if not permanently. I don't know. Maybe he's unhappy there and his heart's not in it. I know one thing, like th- this. Talk about, oh, is he just doing, is he trying to get traded? Is he just kind of tanking? That's
0: bullshit. bullshit. Yes,
1: it is bullshit. Like, and I know a lot of people say it kind of jokingly, but it is out there. And it's just like, that's not Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard would not do that. And it's like anybody who thinks that he would do that does not know anything about Damian Lillard and therefore should not be talking about him. So that's not what's going on. But maybe, maybe his heart's not all the way in it, you know, as much as he wants it to be, maybe it's not, but. Again, man, it's really hard to pinpoint, you know, what what exactly is causing this. But I do know that to me at this point, it feels like more than just a little bit of cold shooting, more than just a shooting slump. Something's going on, whether it's physical, whether it's mental. Uh, maybe he needs some time off. Uh, maybe maybe they need to make some personnel changes, um, but they've got to get him going. And again, they're they're playing tonight. They're probably about to tip off against the Lakers. I think he is gonna have some kind of eruption soon. Like if Damian Lillard goes for 50 plus tonight, I will not be surprised at all. He's still Damian Lillard. Like he's got that in him. There's no doubt it's going to happen soon. He'll turn it around. But it's been weird, man. It's been it's been inexplicable. It's been strange. It's just been an ice cold start. And I do think it's more than just a typical slump. I, um, I do too, man. And yeah. I think
0: that he he tried to Again, this is just my opinion, just based on the articles. I mean, Chris Haynes has, has done a fantastic job for Yahoo Sports, talking about all this and detailing everything. Just as an outsider, it just seems like he tried to go the Russell Wilson route. I mean, if anybody that is familiar with Dame Alert's history, you know he he has said he will never join a super team. He wants to one of Portland. You know, we, we we've heard all that before, and he was he's dead set against it. He's argued with people on social media. Uh, famously Paul George and I just think this summer he looked around and realized like holy shit like I don't know if I can win here like I I want to win a title eventually and I, I think that you said it earlier in your comments that it seems like you know again this is on paper this is a really solid team around him and you know but Dame has carried this team for so long and right now I mean like I said I mean you look at the last two years, Brett, he averaged 30 points a game and he averaged 28 points a game. That's over 10 points a game down from last year compared to this year. Like that's just not no, going to get it done. And and you know what? You, maybe you're right, man. Maybe it is physical, but I would go back and say, I watched every one of those team USA games and I don't even know if Dame Muller should have been on the team. I mean, Drew Holiday outperformed them that well. I mean, it was, it was tough to kind of count on them, but Obviously, after Team USA, it's, it's revealed that he has a physical ailment. Maybe he's not – maybe it's a combination of things, man. Maybe it's just he's physically beat up, mentally he's beat up, and, and he's not where he he needs to be at. I do know one thing, though, and I don't mean to kind of be sarcastic or, or joke around about it, but Daryl Morey is probably sitting there watching – looking at every game <laughs> and every box score and just loving this right now. Because, I mean, yeah, this, this is the dude that he's waiting for because we all know that – that CJ McCollum deal is there, but this is the guy that, that he's holding out for. And it, it, it the, if you're a Philadelphia 76er fan or Daryl Morey stand that you could not have asked for a better start.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, if you, if you were holding on to that hope that you might be able to get Damian Lillard in Philly, then yeah, you're like, Oh shit, this is exactly what needed to happen. But I don't think that's, ever going to happen personally i i just there's no way man i really don't think the blazers are going to trade damian lillard um i mean he's look man he's going to he turn it around him,
0: you know, even if he goes to them and says hey man this isn't working out like oh, well, well, that's like,
1: a different hey. story i mean but i just i you know what i mean like it's so hard to get inside his head because yeah like that that report the timing of it the you know about just how he was courted by the lakers was was pretty interesting weird, considering
0: I, I i it's just weird like all this stuff is yeah. weird
1: and then there was over the summer, it was kind of like he almost requested a trade, but not quite that, you know, that, that was, that was out there. So he, you know, he might be putting things out there. I, I just think he wants, I think he I believe that he wants to win in Portland. Uh, I believe he really wants them to put the right squad around him. But I, you know what? At the same time, like, I think he might be sitting there like, look, man, like I've been playing like dog shit and we're still like a top six offense. Okay. Um, we're still four and five you know, like we're okay. So like, he might be thinking like this, this might be the squad. Like I might finally have the team. So I have to think he's encouraged in a sense. And like, he just needs to break out of whatever he's going through. Because if you take the Damian Lillard of last season or the season before and put him on this team with the way that the rest of these guys, Norm Powell, Ant Simons, uh, Covington last night, the way these guys are playing now, Larry Nance, like you put that Damian Lillard with this group and you've got one of the best teams in the league. All right. Because they've been okay with him playing horribly. Um, especially offensively, they've been really good. So I got to think he's thinking that way too. Like, Hey, if I could just start making some shots, like we might really have something here. Um, I think the Billups hire has been good so far. Like I like what they're doing. Okay. It's just, it's hard to, it's hard to win a bunch of games when your best player, the guy that, that, you know, that, that, that everything runs through is, is struggling so mightily. But I mean, I think it's another case of guys stepping up and at least kind of keeping them afloat as far as CJ. I think Anthony Simons has like a most improved player case that he's building, maybe even six man of the year. If he really uh, keeps it rolling, he's been fantastic. Somewhere along the lines of Seth Curry with his shooting. The guy, it seems like he never misses. So, yeah, they've got the best bench that they've had since Dame's been there. When you look at Zeller, uh, Larry Nance, and Anthony Simons coming off the bench, and and Nas Little looking like he can be a little bit of a player too. So I, I like their depth. And uh, it's, shit, man, Dame's just got to get it going. And, and I don't know what that's going to take. But to get back to Neil O'Shea, maybe that's a change that they need to make. If this guy really is – you know, creating this toxic culture and and nobody likes him. Um, get him the fuck out of there. You know, and and, and maybe that would be a step in the right direction.
0: Yeah, but you know what? Though I'll, I'll push back on that a little bit. It, they should have got rid of him in the offseason. I mean, why 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 wait till we're ten games in for all this stuff to boil over? I don't know, man. Maybe it's the Robert Sarver thing. It just seems weird. But as we were talking, um, Dame Lillard, uh Portland's up seventeen to ten. Uh, there's about seven minutes left and dame willard already has 10 points
1: so he's gonna get that 50 tonight
0: (laughs) one last thing brett that i want to talk to you about um before we get out of here is the oklahoma city thunder and it's very clear to all of us that you know obviously they want to they're gonna tank as much as possible they don't care about wins i'm sure that you know deep down they care about a little bit of their development but Really, they just want to tank and get as many draft picks as possible. And the reason that I want to talk to you about this is not for what everybody thinks, um, not Darius Baisley. I want to talk to you about Shai Geller alexander and SGA. And I want to get your thoughts on how is this going to affect him going forward? And the reason I ask this is, you know, you look at saw a team like Philly. They tanked... Um, you know, trust the process, trust the process. And we kind of saw a little bit of the end result where, you know, Jimmy Butler goes there and he's like, dude, these dudes don't know how to win. And um, you look at the Minnesota situation, Jimmy Butler goes there, these dudes, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, these dudes don't know how to win Andrew Wiggins. And I say that because both those franchises were, had a losing mentality. There wasn't a lot of veterans there um, outside of KG who left when flip uh, passed away. But I'm just worried about him because we saw him against the Lakers uh, twice now go absolutely bonkers and literally win that game for them. And we saw last year that they shut him down kind of with, what was it, 25, 30 games to go to try and get a a top three pick. But I'm just curious as to how much losing is this going to have an effect on his basketball state of mind. Now, I almost posted something in the group or even on Twitter saying – what do we have to do to get SGA out of OKC? Because, I mean, you could tell when the lights are bright, like, he he can ball. And he, he has led his team to some pretty – granted, LeBron didn't play, but, I mean, they, they beat the Lakers. You know, Anthony Davis was still there. Russell Westbrook was still there. Like, it's not like he's – they beat some scrubs. But I just want to get your thoughts on, are you, as a basketball fan, okay with this? Do you want to see him – in a different market is OKC going to ruin him. Uh, I just kind of want to get your thoughts on that. I'm kind of fascinated by him and his situation that he's in.
1: I'm less worried about SGA than I am about some of the other guys, the more raw players on that team, the Darius Baisley, uh, Alexei um, to a lesser extent, Josh Giddy, but but like guys like Poku and Baisley that are raw. Um, I worry about them a little bit in this kind of environment because – it's not always going to be a functional basketball team on the court. And those guys sort of need a little bit of structure, I think to figure out who they are as players, as far as Shay, I'm not worried about him. I think first of all, he's, he's pretty much established a a very high floor as a player. Um, And I think, you know, just going by his body language and everything, like, I don't think he's unhappy being a part of this. I think an important thing to keep in mind is that, 14 months ago, the Thunder were in a game seven in the playoffs against the Houston Rockets. Okay. So they're in the early stages of their rebuild. So this isn't something that's been going on for like four years where it's like, okay, when are they going to, you know, start winning? Like it's early. And maybe it's just the nature of the NBA scheduling the last few years. But people seem to think like this has been dragging on for a while. And yeah, they did cram like two seasons into the time frame of one in a sense. But, you know, this is early times in this rebuild. And and I don't think Shea's unhappy. I think he likes the challenge. Like, you know, just the way he's played against the Lakers. And, and it's a rare situation. Like usually teams in this stage of a rebuild – Like yeah, they'll have a star or a future superstar or whatever. We could point to numerous examples, but that player at this stage hasn't usually established themselves as like a an unquestioned winning player. Like Shea's a winning player; he does winning things on the court. I know that's cliche to say, but but the way he plays, it really is like winning basketball. He's not just like some super talented young kid that's on a rebuilding team that's going to put up numbers, but they're not going to win. And the things that we've seen in these two wins against the Lakers, this is what can happen when you're a bad team or a rebuilding team, I should say, with a guy like Shea. Like you can have these magical moments where he just carries you to victory. And I think that in itself might be enough in terms of morale for this team to not be a total train wreck and for these guys not to be too negatively affected. I just think Shea is a strong-minded kid. I think he's embracing the challenge. I think he's already established as as a winning player, a good player. And I think people are just kind of starting to take notice. It's funny. Like he, statistically, he was better last season even than he's been so far this season. And nobody was talking about him last season. But I think that second Lakers win this season kind of put him on the map. That's when it seemed like everybody sort of started talking about him. Oh, is this guy a, what is he, where does he, is he top 10 point guard is he a you know is he a top 15 playmaker like all these different conversations have started to emerge and it's great like he deserves this recognition I think he deserved it last season and it totally went under the radar but he's uh he's a very special player there will come a day where they need to put some pieces around him and as I've talked about many times on this podcast they certainly have the resources to do that um they certainly have a lot of chips that they can cash in when they want to whether that's draft picks young players whatever they will put a team around him and we just need to be patient because this is essentially the start of the second year of the rebuild. Last season was the first year. This is the second year and we're still in the very beginning of the season. So when you compare this to other rebuilds throughout NBA history, we're in a very early stage. So I, I'm not worried about him. And again, guys like Baisley and Poku, I do get worried about a little bit when I see them in that, that offense, especially when Shea's not on the court and it's just utterly dysfunctional. And it's like it's just not an environment conducive to to really improving as a player. So that that worries me a little bit. But as far as Shea, I, I'm not worried about him at all. He's he's fantastic, and I think he's going to ultimately lead this team to great heights. It may be a couple years away, but but I do think they will get there.
0: I, I like the optimism. I do because I'm a little bit worried about him because this is going to be year four for him. You remember his first year in OKC? They had Chris Paul. They granted it was the bubble. They made it. And last year they shut them down after 35 games because they were all worried because they wanted to tank. Like eventually these players want to win. And I'm just – I would just – I'm usually not the guy that I want players to stay where, you know, they can be the stars, especially in small markets. But I don't know how much – I have to see it more from OKC on what their plan is because we all know they have a boatload of picks. You know, if – I would change my tune real quickly if maybe after this season – Hey, we're gonna trade for a disgrunt- a disgruntled star. Uh we're gonna give up all these draft picks. I don't know though, but you know, I mean I, I like his game, man, and I, I like seeing him play oh, yeah. on the big stage and I-, I think he definitely can uh I think he definitely can deliver. Well,
1: right. well one one last thing with Shay, um, and you kinda brought it up, um, is like Okay. So yeah, you had last season, which was just a disaster. They were, they were, they were really bad. Actually, when he was on the court, they, they were just below 500 in the well, games that he actually well, Brett, played, that's
0: but why they, that's why they shut him down. Cause they, they were actually winning yeah, games with them.
1: Right. But yeah, overall though, that's, yeah, that, that's, that sucks for him and his development, right? Like getting shut down. And, and then this season they're, they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. There's no doubt about that. Maybe the worst. And, and that's. That I, I get the concern there, but but I think with Shea specifically, it is important to look at what came before this season, like you brought up, because as a rookie with that Clippers team, I remember watching him going toe-to-toe with Steph and KD in the playoffs. And, and they pushed that Warriors team to six games. And then, you know, his second season, he was on a really good team with Chris Paul and Danilo Galinari. Um, and they got into the playoffs and played James Harden and the Rockets in the first round. So like he had those two seasons on really good teams. Uh, That that made the playoffs and, and, and a pretty competitive first round playoff series. And then, yeah, last season and this season. But, you know, I think I think he maybe gained enough in those first two seasons in terms of that, that, you know, that experience, those reps that come with winning to where this season and last season, he may not be affected by that the way that a player that was drafted into this kind of situation would be, if you know what I mean.
0: I you man, and I—I I hope you're right, man. Because, like I said, I love watching that dude play. I think he—I oh. think he has the potential to be a superstar in this league. But it's going to be tough for him if OKC for the next couple of years is on this path to losing. But brother, this was fun. We told you. I told you um, we were going to keep it under forty-five minutes. This should be an awesome editing session. Um,
1: you and I are both
0: <laughs> having a cocktail, so I'll—I'll—I'll uh, I'll, I'll cheers you through the screen. And um, appreciate everybody listening. And you know what? I'm going to say one thing before we leave. All you fuckers talking shit about the Bucks, dude. They're playing with half their starting lineup. That four-fifth of their starting lineup was out. We're NBA champs. I don't care. I'll see you guys in the playoffs. Boom. For myself and Brett, peace out, everybody. We'll see you next time.
1: Cheers.